0: So let's take it just a little deeper. We'll go into race. So we take it from culture relevant. You know, we just dive right into race. So you know, you did a great job kind of framing the need for diversity um, within the profession, um, as far as you know, HEp programs and taking that into the K twelve level. But you know, in saying that, then you know, we hit on just race in general. So how? how do we talk about race and physical education
1: i mean uh, directly like i guess i don't see a need to to tap tiptoe around it there's a lot of times where you know i think the the more we resist not talking about the worse it gets right and there's you know though there's ways you have to address the conversation or approach the conversation um but sometimes there's times where you need to talk about what's happening in our society after you know a shooting or after something's happened or even a movement even teachers taking the time just having a conversation with students what's going or explaining them what's going on right and even having those those conversations about race right i've even had you know reflecting back to my uh middle school teachers especially i can remember them you know kind of doing like a self like bio saying this is who i am this is what i know, this is what i don't know but what, you know, and we would do like these identity kind of tracker things, right? We'll talk about our identity, who we are, but I think the biggest thing is just talk about it and it's uncomfortable. However, the more you don't talk about it, the worse these things become, you can't ignore it. And race is very salient in our society. Race is a big identifier for us all. But I think also a lot of times, you know, in peak programs, students aren't really trained or even immersed in talking about race right? And what does that mean to talk about race? People ask me off the wall questions about race all the time. I'm not offended by it because I have the language for it. Right? And we think about what Beverly Tatum says um, about race. And, you know, a lot of times people just don't have the language for it. So the best way to talk about it is just be open about what you don't know and what you do know, and just have open dialogue. And for young students, that may be tough. Um, one thing that I've done with students is perhaps using uh, open-ended journal prompts, to talk about stuff, to talk about maybe how they identify or talk about maybe what they understand, what's going on in broader society or even critical incidences that happen in class, right? If you're playing a game there was a game that was a modified game that was uneven, you may ask a prompt of, well, how does this uneven game reflect some issues in our larger society? Or how, if you could change the inequity in this game, how would you change that inequity? What changes would you make? And a lot of times there's a small conversation that need to happen because race is not going to ever leave us. Like, as long as we're going to be people on earth, race is going to be here. So direct. I suggest
0: directly talking about it. And, you know, you kind of alluded to it there, like these things, yes, they impact students, but, you know, these... These topics around race are happening in communities, so if students are getting that information, sometimes it's up to us as educators doesn't matter what content area we are to kind of, you know, support them in that conversation, because if they're asking they're curious right they want. They want to know these things and you know it's on us to do our best to support it with the knowledge that we have and. Speaking to uh, a note that got passed to me here, the third tenant of uh, Gloria Ladson Lads- Lads- Billings' work, uh, Critical Consciousness. Tell us, you know, kind of around the conversation that we're having, tell us a little bit about that, of what you know in that space.
1: You know, I, I think, you know, that level, you know, consciousness takes a while, right? And there's, I believe, um, not to intentionally name drop, but I think Bill Hooks, no, I think I know Bill Hooks talks about this a lot. You can only love to your level of consciousness. You only can be critical to your level of consciousness, right? And I, I, you know, even for teachers, educators, you know, across whatever, you know, content area, increasing your consciousness, increasing what you know about the broader society is helpful, right? So in, in and of that place when you have to be critical or even teach being critical, there's ways in which you have to have context to do that. Right. There's times that we see things and in our minds we're making a critique, but it's actually a judgment statement. Right. How do we actually be critical about, you know, what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on with Russia. Right. If we understood the context with, you know, the USSR, the Cold War. Now we can actually have a critical dialogue about what we're seeing as opposed to saying, oh, that side is doing that, this side is doing that. And that's not critical. Right. That's a lazy argument. and so. That last tenant, that's probably, in my opinion, one of the most difficult tenants because, as I mentioned before, that takes a lot of self work, it takes a lot of self reflection, it takes a lot of, you know, even self study of understanding one the environment you're in, but also providing critiques and providing a level of insight that is not necessarily damaging but also impactful, right. And, you know, I've been, I've been fortunate to be around people who are extremely critically conscious, right? Or, and they've told me things about myself, like, man, I really didn't see that. Or or even tell me that you bring this to the table and I would never saw that if they didn't position it in a way that was critical and not make me feel judgment or feel like I was being judged. So to me, and for, you know, kind of the, to, to answer that last question is, that's something we have to teach. We have to teach critical thinking, we have to pre- teach critical consciousness, but more importantly, before we teach that, we have to have a good base of what we know and what we don't know, right? You, you just can't, can't teach what you don't know, right? You can't teach, you can't be conscious about something that you don't believe in, right? You have to see the students that you're working with as human. So if you don't see them as human first, All anything else you put into it doesn't matter. You have to first see them as human. If you're not seeing them as human beings, you can be as conscious, critically conscious as you want to be. You can have every, you know, instant activity you want, every strategy you want. But if you're not looking at them as human beings who actually have, you know, they're not coming to you as a blank slate, they're actually coming to you with lived experiences that have nuance, that that have a culture, right? That's one thing I love about, about living in Springfield. I'm being introduced to Caribbean culture. I'm being introduced to Afro-Latino culture. And so now I'm seeing the nuances in culture just because I immerse myself in that space, but more importantly, I see them as human, right? I see young men who may look like me that may not be an African-American. He might be Dominicano, he might be um, Haitian, but I still see a little black boy. I still see the human in it, right? And I think that's the biggest thing. If you're not seeing somebody as a human, a lot of this other stuff is is for not. and that's what we're seeing a lot of times. Not everyone, but a lot of times that we're seeing people come in, get their check, leave, roll out the ball. Maybe not figuratively or literally. They may figuratively roll out the ball. They may, you know, I've had cringy conversations with, you know, uh, in-service teachers saying, "Oh, you know, th- what what does it matter? These kids are never play whatever. You know, they're just they don't come to school. They don't care about school. And that in of itself, you're not even viewing them as a whole person in my opinion. Some others may say otherwise, but for me, you know, before we get to that critical consciousness, we have to take a step back and see who we're working for as human. Right. Even as a, a man of color working in a predominantly white space, I still have to see my students as human. Though I may not identify with them through race or lived experiences, however, I have been a student. I have been in a position where I wanted to learn something. I have been in a position where I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Right? And so that humanity in, in that, that's where I can meet them now. I'm like, "You know what? I've been there before. So let me meet you where you are and help you where we got to go. And that's that level, at least for me, my level of critical consciousness that I bring to every space I go into. so
0: I and mean, that's you know what we said all through the conversation. You know, putting this together, that's a good way to just kind of say you know put the bone in it right there. Is at the end of the day, it's just about being human, right? And seeing the humanity in people. So I appreciate Dr. Before I let you before I let you sign off, though, there's one uh, in the pre-record. There was a, a good little topic about your background that came up that I want you to just kind of tell the listeners about, and I'll, I'll address it as the talented ten. Is that correct?
1: Fine. So tell yeah, us so
0: about that. that.
1: So even before I get there, I'll take even a step back. I'll give you some some bonus footage, okay? Um, I am a product of the Ronald E. McNair Scholars Program. And we talked about recruitment of students of color. My initial recruitment to academia was through the McNair Scholars Program. So Ronald McNair uh, was a part of the the 86 Challenger. He's one of the first African-Americans to, uh, I guess, first African-American males to be a uh, pilot. He's originally from South Carolina, was educated at MIT, graduated at MIT, um, and had an initiative. He wanted to get more students of color in professional school. So he started an initiative, got kids rolling in that. And so I was an initial product of that. And so through that program, I started to understand what graduate school is about, got some tools to navigate. Stumbled upon a graduate program, but then I met my advisor, the still mentor now, Jared Russell, at a Shape convention. I believe back in 2011. So it was my first year as a graduate student. We're in San Diego, and I met him doing the poster presentation, and he handed me his card. And just like any you know bright-eyed, bushy-tail graduate student, as soon as I got back to campus, I emailed him. I sent him my CV, and every semester I would just send him an update about how I was doing. So as it was getting closer to the time that I was going to graduate, he uh, picked the phone and gave me a call. And anyone who knows Dr. Russell is a very extremely calm human being, picks up the phone and like, hey Corey, this is Jarrett Russell, um, and I want to offer you an opportunity to come to Auburn. You know, I have a vision of graduating students from this program, specifically African-American students who either come from an HBCU or students of color who are looking to pursue a PhD and would love to have you here at Auburn in our summer bridge program. And so kind of his goal was to graduate at least 10 students in 10 years. I believe he's definitely uh, exceeded that number. But for me, that program was my first acculturation and socialization into the professorate but also understanding what PE was, what physical education was beyond the classroom. What does it mean to be a PE scholar, right? You know, you know. When I tell people that you know I'm a, I'm a professor, they think I just professionally roll balls. I'm like, no, I'm actually I research. I talk about this in scholarly way. And so for me, being in that program, it put me around persons like Peter Hasty, Mary Rudisill. Um, you know, gave me opportunities to work with like Linda Griffin, Judy Rink, and Paul Ward, uh, Philip Ward, and uh, Hans Mars, and just put me in a really good space to be somewhere where, you know, if I, in my wildest imagination, I could never dream up to be in those spaces. But for me, that bridge program, and even my colleague has put us in positions where, you know, we never thought, not even 10 years ago, five years ago, we would be I never thought I'd be sitting here talking to you uh, at all. I never thought I would be doing the things that I'm doing today. But through that program, among other programs, but specifically the, the summer bridge program at Auburn, really um, set the tone for my professional career. And I'm looking to you know keep that vision alive and you know be a mentor, be a guiding light for a student of color, um, and/or just any student who wants to you know be the best they can be in this profession or any profession within kinesiology I'm you know I'm I'm a public servant and I do this not for rewards but I, I, I'm fulfilled through this right I, I do this because it's something I love to do I'm good at it unless I like to think so and it's been beneficial it's given me more than I could ever give it so
0: so yeah so that's about it Ladies and gentlemen, fellow humans and listening audience, there you have it, Dr. Corey Boyd. Dr. Boyd, we appreciate you being on. How can our audience follow you? Any social media, Twitter, Facebook, whatever?
1: Yes, I have a Twitter. Uh, I believe it's Corey underscore Boyd PhD. um, And email, you can find me just about on our website. Or if not, we can just drop the Below or wherever it's gonna appear, so we can drop the, my email address somewhere or even my Twitter handle somewhere. But I'm easily accessible, so just reach out. Uh, any question, and I'm willing to help you, help you, and assist you with your future journey.
0: And there you have it. Once again, Dr. Corey Boyd from Springfield College, assistant professor of physical education. Appreciate having you on and thank you all for listening and tuning back in to the Shape America podcast series series two of the EDI sessions. Thanks again and everybody take care.